0: The violence that exists in the human heart is also manifest in the symptoms of illness that we see in the earth, the water, the air and in living things, said by Pope Francis of Holy City on climate change. Welcome back listeners to the new episode of Talking Climate Change with Yashnegi. In this episode, we will talk about the glacier, the types of glacier and how glaciers move from its place originally from its place you know and let's begin so what exactly is a glacier okay a glacier is a large mass of ice having its genesis on land and represents a multi-layer surplus of snowfall over snow melt. at the present time perennial ice covers about 10% of the land areas of the earth Although glaciers are generally thought of as polar entities they also are found in mountainous areas throughout the world on all continent except australia and even at or near the equator on high mountains in africa and south america present day glaciers and the deposit from more extensive glaciation in the geological past have considerably economic importance in many areas. In areas of limited precipitation during the growing season, season, uh, for example such as parts of the western United States, glaciers are considered to be frozen freshwater reservoirs which release water during the drier summer months. In the western United States, as in many other mountainous regions, they are of considerably economic importance in the irrigation of crops and to the generation of hydroelectric power lakes and ponds are numerous where continental ice sheet once covered New England and the upper Midwest and the glacier deposit acts as a major major groundwater reservoir the same deposits have substantial economic value as sands and gravel for building materials and are often the basin as in massachusetts for the largest mineral industry in a state glaciers however can also pose dangers to ocean transportation let's take an example of the west side of the greenland which produces a large number of icebergs which travels south into the shipping lanes of the north atlantic some of greenland's icebergs have known to drift as far south as delaware before melting completely antarctica often produces large tabular iceberg from its many ice shelves, some of which may exceed the area of rhode island in alaska glaciologists of the united states geological survey have carried out a long-term study of the rate of retreat of the Columbia glacier this large valley glacier snout ends as a tidal glacier in prince william sound a waterway traversed by large oil tankers en route to from Valdez, the southern terminus of the Trans-Alaskan Pipeline. In 1980s, United States Geological Survey glaciologists predicted that the 425 square mile, which is 1100 square kilometer, Columbia Glacier would begin an accelerated retreat during the 1980s. Thereby increasing the hazard of sh- hazard to shipping because of an in- an increased production of iceberg. Other glacier hazard includes surging glaciers, and such glaciers may suddenly advance several miles, you know, several kilometers, to in a few months. Catastrophic outburst floods resulting from the failure of ice. Dammed lakes are from subglacial volcanic or geothermal activity which occur frequently in Iceland and in Alaska, less frequently in the state of Washington and occasionally in other local. The link between climate and glacier is of great interest to scientists. Not only have geologists and other scientists established that glaciers were more and less extensive at various times in the past than at the present but also that changes in climate were the cause. The enigma of course course is what causes such changes in the climate. Although four or five major glacier advances have been identified by geologists who have started studying glacier deposits in Europe and North America stratigraphic evidence from T. Jones area of Iceland suggested that, Many as 10 major glacier advances may occur within the past 3 million years or during what is uh, uh, popularly referred to as Ice Age. And I am sure listeners you have heard about Ice Age. Geologists recognized during the 19th century that the Earth has been repeatedly subjected to glaciation many times more extensive than the aerial distribution of present-day glacier. More recent evidence from geochronological evidence has shown that in last continental size glacier in Europe, Asia and North America were still melting away only 10,000 years ago. These findings have caused scientists and non-scientists alike to ask themselves two questions with profound implication what caused the continental glacier to advance and retreat and because there have been so many glacier advances within the past three million years is the world still emerging from the last glacier retreat or are we heading back into the next glacier advance because variation in climate causes glacier to advance or retreat glaciers can serve as excellent indicators of climate change geologists and other scientists study sedimentary deposit on land and in the sea to determine how long glacier interval lasted the frequency of repetition, the length of inter interval the variation in ocean surface temperature during the past 3 million years and many other factors these empirical or observational data are then Compared with the various theories of glaciation, to attempt to ascertain the actual causes of glaciation and to identify the clues to look for in determining whether we are still coming out of or going back into a glacier interval. Among the more prominent theories of events that have triggered global climatic changes and led to repeated glaciation are known as astronomical variation. In the orbital elements of the Earth, the so-called Milkan kovic theory changes in energy output from the sun and increases in volcanism that could have thrown more airborne volcanic material into the stratosphere, thereby creating a dust, wheel and lower temperatures. The years 1980, 1981 and 1982, for example, saw several major volcanic eruptions adding large quantities of particulate volcanic material and volatile to the stratosphere including the catastrophic eruption of mount st helen's wash you may not know it it erupted on may 18 1980 and a large eruption of mount Hekla, iceland which occurred on august 17 1980 the 1982 series of eruptions from El Chinchen Volcano Mexico caused death and destruction in the populated area around the volcano, but a further reaching impact may result from the effect on Earth's climate because of the enormous ejection of volcanic material into the stratosphere. The potential climatic effect of the Laki volcanic eruption in Iceland in 1783, the largest effusive lava volcanic eruption in historic time was noted by the diplomat scientist Benjamin Franklin in 1784 during one of his many sojourns in Paris. Franklin concluded that the introduction of large quantities of volcanic particles into the Earth's upper atmosphere could cause a reduction in surface temperature because the particles would lessen the amount of solar energy reaching the Earth's surface. The catastrophic eruption of the Bora volcano Indonesia in 1815 was followed by a so-called year without a summer in New England for example uh, frost occurred during each of the summer months in 1816 some of the observational evidence matches certain aspects of the three theories and other theories as well whatever the actual cause or causes of climatic change The irrefutable fact is that repeated periods of glaciation have occurred and that the last such glacier interval ended in the geological recent past at the dawn of human civilization. Long-term variation in climate are difficult to measure because of the rather short period of time in which scientifically valid meteorological observations have been made. For example, most weather stations in North America have observational records of less than 100 years long-term variations in climate, however, are measured in decades, centuries and even millennia. This is one of the reasons why glaciers can be such valuable indicators of climate. Glaciers tend to average out the short-term meteorological variations and reflect longer-term variation which act place over several decades or centuries. Large ice sheets such as in Greenland and Antarctica have even greater response times, probably over several millennia which is thousands of years or tens of millennia. Most glacier ices encompassed in the two largest ice sheets Antarctica and Greenland which together contain an estimated 97% of all glacier ice and 77% of the freshwater supply of the planet. During a maximum global advance of glaciers, however, it is estimated that North America contained volumetrically more ice than the combined present day total of Antarctica and Greenland, and that sea level dropped by as much as 300 feet, which is 90 meters. If all the present glacier ice Where to melt from Antarctica and Greenland, the ocean would rise another 300 feet which is 19 meters and inundate most of the coastal cities of the world. Some glaciologists have suggested that the West Antarctic ice sheet is inherently unstable and could suddenly surge forward under climatic conditions similar to the present time. Resulting in a 7 to 20 feet which is 2 to 6 meters global rise in sea level depending on the size of the search well, it is huge Way too huge So exactly how do glaciers move? That is a question that was in my mind when I asked my You know environmental studies faculty that how do glaciers move? so they told me about how the glaciers move so, I wrote it down in my notebook at that time and my faculty told me that glaciers also slide along the surface of the material. They overlie in a process called basal slip which is greatly aided by the lubricating effect of water. Basal slip is suprodic and varies depending on season. But plastic flow is continuous and the primary means by which glacier move that spelling of sporadic is s-p-o-r-a-d-i-c in case i spelled it wrong so maybe you guys can figure it out and send me the feedback of that spelling and another question in my mind was how fast do glaciers move yes if glaciers move how fast they move then my professor said to me that valley glaciers flow more rapidly than continental glacier both ranging from centimeters to 10 seconds of meters per day. Valley glaciers move faster because basal slip contributes to their movement during the warm season. Continental glaciers are frozen to the underlying surface most of the time and undergo little basal slip. Flow rate within ice increases down the glacier toward the phone limit and then decreases from the phone limit FIRN limit toward the terminus. For valley glacier, flow velocity is greatest at the top center of the ice, tongue, and lowest along the edges and base where frictional retards flow. That was exactly the answer told by my faculty and I wrote it down that day. Let us discuss about types of glaciers. Continental glaciers or ice sheet cover at least 50,000 km square and are unconfined by topography as we all know. Continental glaciers are blanket-like accumulation of snow and ice that drape the land surface and flow outward in all directions from a central area of greatest thickness toward thinner areas along the margins. Continental glaciers are currently found in Antarctica and Greenland, where the thickness exceeds 3,000 meters. During the Ice Age, continental glaciers covered much of North America and Eurasia let us talk about classification of glaciers one good way of classifying glaciers is by the extent to which their shape and movement are affected by the underlying bedrock topography we will discuss about uh, it will be a very little discussion about glaciers which are not strongly constrained by underlying topography topography sorry first is ice sheet Superimposed on underlying topography, largely or entirely submerges that topography. Ice flow reflects largely the size and shape of the glacier, less the shape of the ground. Ice sheets smaller than about fifty thousand kilometers square in area are called ice cap. Ice dome, about symmetrically overland area involved. The top of the dome may be over bedrock highs or bedrock rows, lows. Highest 4300 meter Antarctica. The convex profile is a reflection mainly of flow mechanics, including the nature of the bottom roughness. Outlet glacier, a stream of ice that extends beyond an ice dome and drains it. Outlet glaciers are often very large, several hundred kilometers long, and tens of kilometers wide. Commonly, they are commonly associated both with large. Ice sheet with smaller ice caps. Most of the Greenland ice sheet and about three quarters of the Antarctic ice sheet is drained in this way. Ice shelf. A floating ice sheet that deforms under its own weight. The slab of ice is squeezed between the atmosphere and the ocean. The ice shelf has to be anchored at several points. An Antarctica, ice shelf constrains about 7% of the ice area. The ice shelf may be fed partially or not at all by land glacier. Accumulation of snow on the surface, land glacier bottom freezing, ablation meaning melting at the top or at the bottom, calving. Let us talk about glaciers strongly constrained by topography and the topics come under this strongly constrained by topography is ice field, valley glacier. Cirque glacier, C-I-R-Q-U-E. C-I-R-Q-U-E glacier. Let us start with Ice Field An approximately level area of ice not an ice cap because not dome-like the floor reflects the underlying bedrock topography which is ice land are usually nested in among mountains Size A few kilometers to a very large Ice field grade over into small ice caps Requirement for existence of an ice field High and over all gentle topography. Let us talk about valley glacier. A glacier flowing in a rock valley and surrounded by rock walls, therefore long and linear. Fed from an ice field or a cirque, which I will discuss in the next point. Usually 10 to 30 kilometers long, but up to 100 kilometer. The terminus can be on land or in sea by calving. A valley glacier can also disgorge from mountain and spread out as a flat mass in Piedmont areas to form a, what is called a Piedmont Glacier, spelling is P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T. If I have spelled it incorrectly, guys do let me know in the feedback. A good example of a Piedmont Glacier, the Mulspina Glacier in Alaska, 40 km across. Parry Glacier are usually vigorous glacier and because they are typically present at low as well as high latitude, they are among the most accessible of glacier. Which, comes, which brings us to the last point which is Cirque Glacier and the spelling is C-I-R-Q-U-E. Again guys, if I am spelling it wrong, do let me know in the feedback. A small ice mass, fairly wide relative to its length, occupying a bedrock hollow or basin Usually on a mountain slope. Cirques are bowl shaped depressions at the heads of glacier troughs. Cirques are steep walled on three sides, but one side is open and leads to the glacier throw. T R O U G H. Many cirques contain small lakes known as TAN. And actually, I forgot about one more topic which was included in this. Topography constraint section, which was Rts, and Rts are narrow, serrated, knife-edge ridges forming a thin partition between two cirques or adjacent parallel glacier troughs. Horns are periodically steep-walled mountain peaks formerly uh, formed by headward erosion of cirques. To form a horn, must have at least three cirque on its flank. Erosion by continental glacier produces smooth and rounded landscape. High areas that project into the ice are beveled and abraded to form a relatively flat topography interrupted by rounded hills. Ice-cored plains characterized by deranged drainage with numerous lakes and swamps, extensive bedrock exposures and little or no soil are an example of erosion by continental glaciers. Let us little will talk more about distribution of glacier. The total area of earth as we know that Earth's surface is covered by glacier is 14.9 million kilometers square Antarctica ice sheet 12.5 million kilometers square Greenland ice sheet 1.7 million kilometers square all the rest 700,000 km square many ice cap mostly less than about 10,000 km square many thousands of small glaciers, mostly valley glaciers. Aside from the Greenland ice sheet, most of the larger glaciers in the Northern Hemisphere are mostly on Iceland and the Arctic island of Canada because of the distribution of land and sea. It is a lot more difficult to get the volumes of ice in glaciers than to get the areas covered by glaciers. Things have gotten better in the respect though because of use of eco-sounding, similar to oceanographic depth sounding but one still has to go out there to the glacier to do it. The transition of new snow to glacier ice is similar to the deposition, diagenesis and metamorphism of a sediment to form a metamorphic rock and in a real sense glacier ice is a metamorphic rock. New dry snow has low bulk density and high porosity and enormous internal surface area, crushing compaction and exchange of water between flakes and air at low temperature by sublimation and deposition and at temperatures near melting by melting refreezing evaporation and condensation which tend to round grains producing the nearly spherical grains of granular snow except in the coldest environment this takes a few days to a few weeks in the process the snow settles and gets more compact and small grains disappear at the expense of the larger ones. The recrystallized granular snow which friable and porous is called fern and you remember that I just talked a couple of minutes about fern when it is more than a year old. The fern is then converted to a glacier ice as compaction due to increasing weight of overlying younger snow continues. Here is forced out decreasing the intergranular space Recrystallization proceeds by solution at point of contact and deposition in the interspaces When the permeability of air has reached almost zero, the fern has become glacier ice. I hope you are understanding it, guys. This change occurs in a relatively narrow density range around 0.82 to 0.84 gram centimeter cube at depths of greater than 30 meters. Crystal ice as crystal size has increased to about one centimeter. from is transformed into glacier ice in one year to a few hundred years, depending on temperature and rate of accumulation, accumulation. Then depending on both temperature and bottom slope, something like 50 meter of ice is needed for the ice flow plasticary under its own weight. The ultimate density of glacier ice approaches 0.90 gram centimeter cube a bit short of the density of 0.917 gram per centimeter cube of pure ice because of the inevitable residual presence of little air bubble. The dramatically changes that we talked about in this podcast are contributing towards climate change every single year and it is declining very faster than ever because due to carbon emissions and other things which contribute towards greenhouse gases and those greenhouse gases are responsible for melting down of glaciers at a very fast and steady rate. So that is the reason that I keep making podcasts on various other topics so that listeners who is listening to this podcast should aware of different terms. For example, if I talk about my episodes, I have talked about what is climate change, what is IPCC, what is is Kyoto Protocol and things like that. Because that thing should be understood in order to know and do research in climate change. It is very important to know from where it all began and how and, and how far we came today. So that was it in today's podcast. I hope you like it and keep following me on Twitter for daily climate change news. Any suggestions are welcome in the email id given in the description. It really means a lot to me. You give your valuable time to listen to my podcast and it really means a lot to me. Thank you so much listeners for your valuable time and I will catch you guys up in the next episode of Talking Climate Change with Yashnegi. Until then, stay tuned. Thank you very much.